Informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. And broadcasting live this week from the 80th Annual National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention in Kansas City, Missouri. Thank you for joining us here today on AOA, Agriculture of America. Great to uh, have you along for the conversation today. We're going to have an awesome lineup on the show here. We're going to get an update on Capitol Hill from Jerry Hagstrom from the Hagstrom Report coming up here in just a minute. In segment two, joining us here in Kansas City, Richard Fordyce, former FSA administrator. He's now the business growth, business growth director of agriculture at Osborne Bar Paramore. He will sit down for a conversation with us here in segment two. Segment three, we're going to talk markets with Matt Bennett from agmarket.net. What is going on in terms of this uh, market trade action? The soybean market has been on a tear to the upside here as of late. We're going to talk to Matt about that coming up in just a little while after the bottom of the hour. And then we're going to wrap the show today with Tillman White from the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol. We're going to learn more about what the protocol is, does, some exciting news that they have to share as well. So we'll get to that conversation coming up at the end of the program today. AOA brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel, like Cenex Roadmaster XL and Cenex Ruby Fieldmaster, everyday products powered locally by Cenex. Right now, let's turn our attention to what's going on in Washington, D.C. on Capitol Hill. Joining us now, Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. Jerry, great to have you back on the program. And sounds like we're trying to get something done to keep the government funded Beyond Friday, what is the latest that you could share with us on that? Well, I'd have to say it's a, been a good week for agriculture in Washington. Uh, first of all, the House has passed a continuing resolution that will fund the government, uh, including the Agriculture Department, at least until January 19th. And second, that, uh, th- that bill includes an extension of the Farm Bill through September 30th, 2024. So it's it's good for agriculture, not necessarily for quick passage of a farm bill, but in general, for me, this is a good week. Well, Jerry, as uh, we see the House passing this continuing resolution, I would envision there shouldn't be too much trouble on the Senate side to pass something as well. Is that uh, what you were hearing? Uh, that's right. Both Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, the Democrat from New York, and Mitch McConnell, the Minority Leader from uh, Kentucky, Republican, uh, have said that they will support the bill. And so I think it will pass. And even though President Biden uh, had criticized the original Republican uh, pro- House proposal, uh, Schumer says he's talked to the White House and Biden will sign the bill. Okay, good deal. And in terms of that Farm Bill extension that you mentioned, gives us a little bit of breathing room uh, to get this new five-year Farm Bill done and and keep certain programs funded into next year. I know uh, all the leaders of uh, both the the House side and committee and the Senate side uh, are still committed to getting a new five-year Farm Bill done. What are your thoughts in terms of what are you hearing Will we be able to get something done as we get into next year with a presidential election year? What's the latest you're hearing on trying to get a new five-year farm bill done sometime maybe early next year? 
Uh, well, Secretary Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack said this week it can get done if there is a will in Congress. But I, I don't know whether it's going to happen before 2025. Um, the reason is that uh, farm income is still up and the farmers aren't putting a lot of pressure on Congress like they do sometimes when they feel like they're in, in trouble. Uh, mm -hmm. So we, it, Senator Stabenow, the chairwoman of the Senate Ag Committee, said this week she wants more of a sense of urgency. But when I asked Senator Bozeman, the ranking member on the, on the Senate Ag Committee, what he thought about what she said, uh, Bozeman said, well, there is a sense of urgency, but it isn't just to pass any bill. We've got to do it right. And of course, that means for Bozeman, we've got to raise those reference prices that trigger farm subsidies. And it's hard to find the money for that. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. It'll be a, it should be a very interesting in 2024 with the elections as well as the farm bill. Do you wonder, you mentioned uh, Stabenow uh, talking about uh, looking for more of a sense of urgency. Do you wonder if maybe there's not a, a great sense of urgency because there's not many changes that folks want to see in the farm bill? I mean, you know, protecting crop insurance, updating reference prices, etc. I just wonder if that's maybe a reason there's somewhat of a sense of lack of urgency out there to get the farm bill done. And a lot of folks just saying, well, let's get it done right. And that's that. Do you think that could be the case, Jerry? Well, I have said this is the most boring farm bill I've ever covered. There are no big policy changes. Everybody just wants more money for their programs. And that goes from the uh, farm programs to things like, you know, farm to school programs for, for uh, food. Everybody just wants more money. So it isn't an exciting farm bill for anybody to be lobbying on. Nobody's going to get anything really different out of it. And I think that is one of, uh, one of the issues. But it's also true that everybody that I see lobbying on the farm bill is still talking about their hopes and dreams. Nobody is saying, well, we really want this, so we might be willing to compromise on that. And you've got to get to that point before you can really pass a farm bill. Well, Jerry, great thoughts on the farm bill. We got about a minute here before we let you go. Anything else? Any other big headlines you're watching uh, in terms of agriculture in Washington, D.C. as we're nearing the holiday season here, Jerry? Well, the important thing is uh, that they still haven't passed the fiscal year 2024 agricultural appropriations bill. And that has got two provisions in it that are causing problems. One is a provision that would ban the mailing of abortion pills because the Food and Drug Administration uh, funding is in the same bill. And the second is that there are some cuts to, work, to farm programs that rural Republicans don't want to take back to their districts. They've got to figure that out, and hopefully they'll do it before January 19th when the, when the funding in the new continuing resolution expires um, for the Agriculture Department. We'll just have to see. We will just have to see. Well, Jerry, always uh, appreciate your time here with us on Agriculture of America. Thanks for joining us today, and I'll wish you and yours a happy Thanksgiving coming up, and I'm sure we'll talk to you before the end of the year. Thanks so much, Jerry. Thank you, and I wish a happy Thanksgiving to all your listeners.
All right. Jerry Hagstrom there with the Hagstrom Report joining us here today on Agriculture of America. And as we were talking about uh, the House passing a continuing resolution to keep the government funded beyond Friday. Now we're waiting on the Senate side and sounds like the support is there to get this done and uh, keep things funded at least into the early part of next year. And with that, a one-year extension of the current farm bill as well. We're going to talk more about uh, what is going on in D.C. Coming up here next is I'm going to be joined by Richard Fordyce. He is the Business Growth Director of Agriculture with Osborne Bar Paramore, previously FSA Administrator. He's going to sit down with us as we broadcast live from the 80th Annual National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention in Kansas City, Missouri. We'll be back with more AOA brought to you by Cenex. Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil, oil that runs smart. Back with more on the way right after the break. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we examine how the modern cooperative system solves today's biggest challenges. We'll be talking to CHS experts in farmers and ranchers just like you, and we'll learn how cooperatives apply innovation and technology to help co-op owners get more value every day. Join us Around the Table every Tuesday, or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. non-attorney paid spokesperson. Could your house go into foreclosure? Are you behind on your mortgage payments? Does it seem like the bank has no interest in helping you save your home and you feel like you have nowhere to turn for help? Then we have good news for you. Foreclosure Protection Services can help save your home as they specialize in foreclosure assistance. That's all they do. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, or been the victim of a predatory loan, it's critical that you call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-926-1701. Their network of attorneys and their agents are available to speak to you now. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, Foreclosure Protection Services can help stop the foreclosure process. Call today before it's too late. New laws are in effect that may save your home. Call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-926-1701. 800-926-1701. That's 800-926-1701. This is Ernie Johnson Jr. Sports is about overcoming obstacles. And college coaches work hard to help young men overcome Duchenne muscular dystrophy. It's called Coach to Cure MD and you can help. Text the word CURE to 501-501 to donate $25 on your next mobile phone bill. Or go online to coachtocuremd.org. Text the word CURE to 501-501. Help coaches cure MD. Brought to you by the American Football Coaches Association. A promise is potent. Born of intention, fueled by commitment. It's seeing things through. Always showing up. And we know a thing or two about promises here at Susan G. Komen. Over 40 years ago, we locked arms with you toward one vision, a world without breast cancer. By investing in life-saving research and standing up for patient rights, we are shifting the system so all people everywhere get the care they deserve. Because if you've just been diagnosed and don't know where to turn, we've got you. If you can't afford the treatment you need, we've got you. And if you are driven to raise money to honor the best friend you've just lost, we have a place for you here because of you. We're supporting those who need help today while tirelessly searching for tomorrow's cures. 
ending breast cancer needs all of us. Visit Komen.org and be a part of the Susan G. Komen community today. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to AOA Agriculture of America, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel, a diesel that doesn't mess around. As we are broadcasting live here this week from the 80th Annual National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention in Kansas City, Missouri at the Westin Crown Center. Right now here on AOA, pleased to have a conversation with our good friend Richard Fordyce, Business Growth Director of Agriculture at Osborne Bar Paramore. Richard, it's good to see you, my friend. How are you? It is good to see you. I am doing great, and uh, I hope you are as well. I'm doing fantastic. How was uh, how's fall harvest? How things get wrapped up for you there in uh, northern Missouri? Well, I, you know, that's a, actually a very pertinent question. As I was coming down here yesterday, we had 15 acres of double crop soybeans left. I haven't talked to them at home this morning, but I'm I, I'm going to say we're done. <laughs> you're, you're you're assuming and hoping. Yes. You haven't you haven't heard of any breakdowns or I, anything. I haven't. So. I haven't, and I haven't seen any bills from John Deere come well, through. So well, that's uh, a good thing. Yeah, uh, yields pretty good this year. It's a lot of the talk I had heard around the countryside was that. A lot of better than expected yields for many folks. Yeah, I think um, yeah, I think that's an interesting topic as well because the conversation. Yes, we had really good yields. Yeah, <clears throat> we had really good yields in what I would say if you had a normal weather environment, and we did not have that. It was dry. We got hailed on twice, and we had a derecho. Um, so uh, for yields to be as good as they were, it was really, really, really surprising. But I've heard that around the country, just talking to farmers who had some challenging weather uh, mm-hmm. throughout the growing season, and they said, you know, yields were pretty good. Yeah. Well, and that's uh, that's kind of the talk I've heard, too. Yeah. There's maybe a few extra bushels out there, especially on the corn side, I think it yes. sounds like, yes. is that a lot of that corn withstood some of that summer heat. And so we got some extra bushels out there to uh, possibly market. So Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think that speaks to, you know, the innovation and, and um, uh, you know, the technology that's in mm-hmm. the seed today, right? Yeah. 25 years ago, some of the weather that we had, I don't know that we'd have pulled the combine in the field, right? And so, you know, to have some of the yields that we did was really, really, really nice. Well, good to hear harvest wrapping up nicely on your operation. Let's turn our attention to Washington, D.C. Got a lot going on. Sounds like we're going to keep this government funded beyond Friday. I know the House passing uh, a bill here, Stopgap uh, CR, which includes a farm bill extension. I presume the Senate's going to pass this as well uh, with limited pushback, we think, anyway. Is that kind of what you're hearing in terms of a uh, government uh, shutdown being avoided on Capitol Hill? It it is. Um, You know, I've not talked to anyone this morning um, out there, but I would say by if you look at the vote in the House, you know, Mm -hmm. significant. They needed two-thirds to pass this resolution. They got that plus. Um, and so I would think, you know, if you look over on the Senate side with the, with the support that the bill got in the House, that the Senate should take it up and should mm-hmm. pass it, I would think. Well, with that, uh, we get uh, a new government shutdown deadline then in January and February. So it gets us through the holidays. But do you worry that we're just seemingly kicking the can down the road here? I do. Um, you know, I, it, it reminds me a little bit of 2018, 2019. That, you know, I was in Washington then as the administrator. And 
Um, this kind of very same scenario happened. We, we, we were coming up on a CR date. They kicked the can down the road, <clears throat> kicked the can down the road, and they just couldn't get agreement on some things that were mm-hmm. associated to budget bills. You know, where are the priorities of Congress? And, uh, you know, they shut the government down for 31 days at the beginning of the year in 2019. This looks kind of like that. I think philosophically there's there's just a big divide mm-hmm. between between the two parties and maybe between a party. <laughs> um, you know, there's 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 division there, not not agreement. And so, you know, you can continue to kick the can down the road a little bit, but at some point you've got to stop and you've got to get um, you've got to get consensus and you've got to get agreement on something, right? Um, and so. And, and honestly, funding the government through a continuing resolution is really not the best way to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Because a continuing resolution, you just go back to the previous approved budget, right? Yep. And you divide it by 12. And so for this month, this is how much money, for example, all of the different agencies in USDA are getting. It's really difficult for the leadership at USDA or any federal agency, for that matter, to, to plan and to be able to count on these are the things that Congress wants us to implement. These are the mm-hmm. things that Congress wants to fund when it's being parsed out a month at a time based yeah. on a budget, the last budget that was passed. Yeah. And in terms of this CR with a farm bill extension in there, too, I, I know uh, Chairwoman Stabenow has come out and said she wants to see a little more urgency from farm country to get a farm bill done. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people have said, hey, if we need to take a little more time to get this done right, that's okay. Do you think there needs to be more urgency, though, to get a new five-year farm bill done? <clears throat> well, I think the four corners, right? So the both the leaders in both the House Ag Committee and the Senate Ag Committee, both the, both the chair and the ranking member, they've all publicly said that we want to get a farm bill done and Mm -hmm. we're working on getting a farm bill done and i think that you know again this is not i don't think that the next farm bill is going to be you know transformational right it's not there's not going to be a lot of new things Mm -hmm. in there number one because of dollars that are available yeah but number two when you think about when you think about you know implementing brand new programs from the ground up that takes a lot of work, and that takes a lot of consensus. And it's not only work within the committee, the committee staff, the members, but it's, it's, it's them getting buy-in from a majority of folks that are always speaking out about different provisions in the farm bill. Commodity organizations, farm groups, you know, gr- uh, groups from rural America. Sure. Nutrition groups, right? Yeah. So, so to get consensus on something that would be bi- literally built from the ground up, I think is going to be almost impossible. And when I think about, you know, from a farm program side, I'm thinking about those kinds of things, those climate smart ag practices and those kind of things that have really been talked about a lot. And I think there's certainly, you know, I, I think there's some good things that can happen with those kind of things. But boy, they haven't. They haven't gotten very far on any of that stuff. No. Well, and I think a lot of it, what comes down to a lot of farm groups not wanting many big changes in this farm bill, updated reference <coughs> prices, protect crop insurance, things like that. It, it seems like, once again, it's coming down to that fight of farm versus nutrition in the farm bill. It is, and it, and it always does. Um, but you're right, Jesse. I think you know some of those uh, some of those pillar things that most everybody agrees on mm-hmm. is that strong safety net. You know whether that's through um, you know uh, you know a design safety net program like ARC and PLC, um, 
or whether that's, you know, still support for crop insurance, those kinds of things that take the volatility out of agricultural production. And I, and I agree. Yeah. I mean, those things have to stay in there. Do you think that because there aren't many changes that farm groups want to see, that that's the reason there's a lack of urgency to get a farm bill done? <laughs> that's a really good point. And, and that could be it. You know, I know that, you know, early on, early on when we knew that we needed to start building the 2023 farm bill, mm -hmm. you know, I think there were some there were some ideas that were floated. And I mean, there was a there was the, the Christmas wish list of things yep. that they would yep. like to see done. But when it was made abundantly clear that there was not going to be additional money available for this farm bill over the 2018 farm bill, I think folks then pulled back maybe their expectations on really a transformative farm bill, right? And let's so let's not um, let's, let's not throw out the baby with the bathwater. Mm -hmm. These these are these pillar things that we want that we know that the farm bill has provided you know this this uh, stability to farmers. We don't want to get we don't want to get in the way and mess that up. We certainly want to preserve that the safety net and those kinds of things. So yeah, yeah, I I don't know. I, there could be some volatility in sure you know in this in this deliberation discussion as we go forward. Um, and getting alignment and agreement on, you know, what are some provisions in the nutrition title that maybe some folks want to want to see changed? Mm -hmm. How do we preserve those those really those pillar provisions within on the production side, right? Yeah. And and making sure that those kind of things are done. I think it's going to be interesting to see where where it goes from here. At this point, what can farmers and ranchers do to have their voice heard? Do you think? Because I know we're we're pretty well past that point here at this point in terms of getting this new farm bill done. I mean, what should folks be saying to their legislators and to their farm groups right now? Well, I think, um, you know, we've, we've got some great members on both the House and the Senate Agriculture Committees, but there are a lot of members in farm country that aren't on those committees, mm -hmm. right? And so I think it's important for you to at least be voicing your um, your opinion, um, your use your voice to say that we need to get a farm bill passed, right? And even if a, even if a producer um, doesn't really understand all of the mechanics of, of building a farm bill, I think making sure that their member knows that they're paying attention mm -hmm. and that you know a, a, a farm bill uh, a reauthorization of a new farm bill is is critically important to them. I think if they can just convey that message. Then that helps move the move the progress forward, right? So if you so if you have a member that's not on the on on the farm bill, they know the members on, mm -hmm. on, on are on the farm on the ag committee. They know those members, and they they talk to them all the time, right? And so um, just being able to continue to carry that message that it's important that we get this done, so it doesn't fall fall behind, fall on the back burner. Richard Fordyce, Business Growth Director of Agriculture at Osborne Bar Paramore OBP. Thanks for joining me here, and we'll look forward to talking again soon. All right. Thanks, Jesse, and happy Thanksgiving. All right. Up next, we'll talk markets with Matt Bennett from agmarket.net here on AOA, brought to you by Cenex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil. Back to Bourne right after this. Take control of your legacy with Uncommon Farms. Their ag business professionals can help your farm take on challenges in the five key areas of financials, human resources, strategic planning, management, and succession planning. From their nine subject matter specific peer groups, full service accounting offerings, crop insurance experts, and more, Uncommon Farms is the resource your farm needs to succeed into the future. Visit UncommonFarms.com today to learn more about their service and software offerings that will propel your farm into the future. Young farmers don't listen to the radio, right? Wrong. 
In a recent survey, 74% of young producers said they get their most important agricultural information from their trusted farm radio station. Surprised? Don't be. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Radio is the perfect companion because it goes with you everywhere. Whether you're in the shop, on the combine, or in the truck, Farm Radio is right there with you. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Risvet with this market update. Grains are mixed but mostly lower this morning. Corn is off about five or six cents. Beans are off one or two cents. While wheat is mixed, Chicago and Minneapolis are lower, while Kansas City is slightly higher. Now overnight, soybean futures rose in trading. That's amid adverse weather in growing areas of Brazil and on continued demand for U.S. supplies. Brazilian bean farmers are facing a bunch of problems so far this growing season as dry weather plagues some parts of the South American country and excessive rain is hurting others. Production is now pegged at 163.5 million metric tons. That's down from the previous forecast of 164.6. Now demand for U.S. beans, meanwhile, is on the rise as China continues to seek supplies. China bought another 204,000 metric tons of U.S. beans for delivery for 23-24 marketing year. That started on September 1st. That's following purchases of 1.04 million, 433,000, 110,000, and 126,000 metric tons by China, which were reported last week. Corn prices were a little changed overnight and still unchanged. They're being underpinned by purchases of U.S. supplies by Mexico, which bought another 101,745 tons yesterday. Mexico also bought 143,637 tons in a separate deal announced earlier this week. And global wheat output is now forecast at 782 million metric tons in 23-24. That's down narrowly from a prior outlook amid smaller projected harvests in several countries. Production will be lower than previously expected in Brazil, Argentina, the United Kingdom, Kazakhstan, and India. That will be offset by gains in Russia, however. Brazilian farmers look to produce 9.4 million metric tons of wheat in the current year. That's down 400,000 tons from the prior outlook. Production in Argentina is now seen at 15 million metric tons, down about 9% from the previous forecast. And crude oil prices are roughly 1% lower on economic concerns. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Ristvet. As veterans, we're no strangers to helping others. It's what we were taught, trained, and told to do. It could be for anything. Helping a friend move. Listening to a fellow veteran for hours, at any hour of the day. Or just simply making time for people. A neighbor, a loved one, or even a stranger. We're often the first to help others. There's no question about it. But we do have one question for the veterans listening. When was the last time you reached out for help? Perhaps it's time to do for yourself what you would do for others. If you or someone you know needs resources, whether it's for stress, finances, employment, or mental health, don't wait. Reach out. Find more information at va.gov reach. That's va.gov reach. Brought to you by the United States Department of Veterans Affairs and the Ad Council. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed. AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. 
And AOA brought to you today by Cenex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil. Oil that runs smart as we continue today's program broadcasting live from the 80th Annual National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention in Kansas City, Missouri. Jesse Allen back with you here. Joining us now to talk markets and give us an idea of what is going on across this grain and livestock trade. Matt Bennett with agmarket.net is with us here today on AOA. Matt, good to talk with you again, my friend. I hope all is well in Illinois. Yeah, it is. You know, uh, been one of those falls that uh, you would ask for, you know, like a, if you had to ask for exactly what you want, that's what we got. I mean, it was dry mm-hmm. in the fall, a uh, couple of rains uh, before people wanted to put anhydrous ammonia on. And so, you know, you had enough moisture to do that, you know, but it was dry enough to still do all the dirt work you ever want to do, uh, catch up on every project you ever want to catch up on. Now, I know not everyone had that, so I'm not trying to boast. I'm just telling you, it's been a really good fall for us, and we couldn't be more thankful. Well, good to hear that. Uh, good to hear that for sure. All right, let's talk this market trade and get down to business here, so to speak. Uh, pretty quiet market midweek after um, soybeans, meal, kind of leading the way higher again to start off the week post the report, even with that slight yield bump in the U.S., uh, just uh, watching the soybean market continue to be on fire. Sounds like a lot of it is tied to weather concerns in Brazil and Argentina. What's your latest thoughts uh, with how the soybean rally has kind of been going here in the last couple of days? You know, a couple of things. First of all, the soybean meal chart, you, you've seen it, you know, it's it's just straight up. Uh absolutely on fire i put a slide together earlier uh for a presentation i've got to do this afternoon and over the last five weeks we've rallied 30 percent on soybean meal so 113 dollars a ton uh, as of the time that i had written that uh over that course of that time and so obviously the soybean meal market i, I believe there's some folks that are potentially caught short there that need to cover meal needs and uh just happen to buy and chase the market uh that is certainly creating a bit of a dynamic we know argentina didn't have any meal to put out on the world market you know and then you can basically throw fuel on the fire with brazil's weather situation and so we know mm-hmm. that brazil's been hot and dry uh there's a little bit of talk about potential monsoon that could be developing sometime in early december a couple people floated that out here this morning i think that's part of the reason that the market's a little more quiet but uh, don't kid yourself jesse you know as well as i do that if brazil would have anything mirroring whatsoever mirroring what argentina had last year as far as staying power of trout you know you wouldn't want to be short anything oil seeds related so the last thing i'll say is soil uh, joined the party you know over the last uh, few trading sessions and so being mm-hmm. soil finally uh, be able to bounce and, and create a little bit of an uptrend of its own is pretty exciting whenever you uh, look at the way that this uh, bean market uh, continues to go. Because if they stay dry down there, Jesse, uh, Katie barred the door on what this bean market is going to do. And with January, beans taking over as lead month here, getting close to 14 again uh, midweek. So uh, to your point there, going to be an interesting dynamic to watch. And uh, seems like more weather concerns. There could be plenty of upside potential here at beans still. Corn, on the other hand, we set new lows at Dees Corn to start off the week and then kind of looked like with the help of soybeans, got a, a key reversal on the charts there. Is that kind of what you're seeing in corn? But I, I guess I'll add with that too, how much upside potential is there really in this corn market right now, Matt? 
you know, uh, Sunday night corn look, uh, you know, it's just like, it's going to be a frustrating week, you know, start out the week on uh, Monday and then look over at beans and beans are rallying and beans just keep getting bought. And then finally, you know, the corn market says, Hey, maybe we ought to do something too, you know, and the next thing you know, you got double digit gains in the corn market. And so, uh, corn probably wouldn't have rallied like that. And you know it, and I know it, if we wouldn't have seen beans up 30 plus cents, uh, came in here yesterday, beans and corn were trying to give a little bit back on the overnight market. Uh, during the day though, the dollar absolutely got lambasted yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, down a buck 50 on the index. I mean, just a complete woodshed beating. And that definitely gave a little support along with a noon weather map that uh, stayed pretty darn dry uh, for Brazil. And so uh, corn actually yesterday closing higher seemed like a major victory. Uh, And then today, you know, as you and I speak, we're down two, three, four cents. Uh, It sure looks to me like there's a lot of folks willing to reward any sort of a minor amount of strength here. Now, uh, I don't want to get too far away from this. Yes, I probably sound fairly bullish beans. Uh, It's all weather dependent. You and I both know that. One one thing I'm going to tell you, though, Jesse, is that when we're in a weather market and we're trying to figure out whether to sell or not, it's a a pretty darn good reason not to sell because you don't know if you're going to have a crop. Uh, We've already gotten our crop finished, first of all. And though I'm talking old crop, whether it's corn or beans, uh, new crop, corn or beans. Uh, The nice thing about, um, I don't wish ill will on South America by any means, but with the weather being there, uh, a rally should be rewarded, in my opinion, incrementally, uh, because we already raised the crop for old crop, first of all. And second of all, for new crop, if you're buying crop insurance, uh, rewarding a move back up to and over 13. I mean, as you and I speak, uh, no 24, 13, 12, I don't know. Uh, most folks can do pretty good there. So I'm looking mm-hmm. at this rally as more of an opportunity than, Hey, what's to come? Yes. It could get dynamic from here. But incremental sales into a rally is pretty smart business. Well, to your point, whether it's crop insurance or locking in other inputs for next year, this and that, if you have at least a little bit of certainty there, uh, probably not a bad thing in terms of a risk management strategy. We're talking with Matt Bennett from agmarket.net here today on AOA. Matt, let's go over to livestock trade. Give us some thoughts for our cattle guys and gals. Uh, this cattle market's taking it on the chin, trying to get a little bit back here. Are we trying to find a floor maybe in this cattle market right now, Matt? Yeah. And so, you know, people said, well, why, why were we up over $3, you know, there on Tuesday? Um, couple things going on. Of course, the dollar uh, has to have played into most commodities, seeing some strength. Uh, you could maybe uh, say, hey, whether it's hogs, whether it's cattle, you know, exports could be better with, of course, a cheaper dollar. Uh, and it just gives you an overall uh, friendly tone whenever you see the dollar doing that. But second of all, I mean, equities had a huge day. And so whenever mm-hmm. you look at what you would call outside markets for, for fat cattle, for instance, you know, equities are one of those. You and I have talked about that many times is that, you know, if people feel like, hey, things are going well, uh, my stock portfolio is growing. Hey, let's go out for steak on Friday night. You know, I, I say that conversation is going to happen more often than whenever you just took a thousand point bloodbath on the Dow. You know, I don't know. Uh, it'd be an interesting study. But how many people go to town on Friday night? you know, when the stocks just got beat up all week versus whenever they actually rallied. And so there's mm-hmm. no question uh, that the equities play over into fats. Now, we know cattle on feed were super bearish. Uh, we know that the report the other day, actually, uh, last week, you know, as far as yep. beef production 
forecast. It's pretty, it's pretty bearish. It kind of matches up with cattle on feed, but we keep pulling these cattle forward, Jesse. I know we've got some cattle coming in from Mexico, but personally, your cattle on feed report is going to get excessively bullish sometime over the next few months. I don't know when that's going to happen, but if we can get enough rain in the Western Corn Belt, I do think enough of these ranchers have really healed up from selling these high-priced heifers that they're going to want to start keeping them uh, this next go-round. I feel uh, confident that more of them will than this last year. And, and with that being said, I think some of your cattle on feed numbers could be. I don't think the party's over, so to speak. I don't know if you go back to 200. I just feel like it's got another run in it. Are, are you worried that uh, this upcoming report on Friday could give us a little more bearishness possibly and maybe that could – uh, punch another hole in this cattle market. What do you it's, think? It's it's possible, but I feel like that kind of panicked, get me out type trade uh, maybe is past us. Uh, it might not be, but I don't. I don't expect cattle on feed to be bullish on Friday. Don't get me wrong, not at all. In fact, I, I still think you're going to be looking at some bearish numbers. Uh, I'm talking about you know getting into oh maybe uh, March, April, May, June timeframe somewhere in there. At some point, I think that the cattle on feed numbers are going to be uh, quite friendly. Uh, you know, I mean, heck, there's old cows that, you know, or people are taking them to market, you know, marketing's everything has been bearish, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do. I mean, what are you going to do, Jesse, if you've got an old pound cow that you've been wanting to get rid of and she's worth fifteen hundred dollars or two grand? I mean, why wouldn't you? I mean, I <laughs> totally agree. I mean, let's just turn her into cash and be done with it. So uh, I do think this cattle market, though, has got better days. Uh, but with that being said, shoot. How many times in the past, you know, would we have given anything to see $180 cattle, you know? And so we've got to keep those things in perspective. Where it's real tricky is buying feeders, you know, and trying to figure out kind of how you're going to handle this. Uh, uh, because buying feeders and then looking out to the fats and buying your corn, it gets a little tighter than whenever, uh, you know, we were $15, $20 higher. Well, Matt, uh, great thoughts. Before we let you go, anything final you want to share? I know you mentioned the dollar a little bit, watching stocks and a lot of inflationary data out this week, crude oil trying to rally back a little bit. Uh, any thoughts there or any other thoughts you want to share or reiterate today? Here, here's my thoughts, Jesse, is that um, we're going to definitely be beholden to what happens weather-wise in Brazil. I do think that if you start getting a normal rainfall pattern, you could take a buck to two bucks out of this bean market. I think you could take uh, quite a bit out of the corn market. I know people don't want to hear that, uh, but it could certainly happen. So if that's the case, I, I want to be protected, protecting myself right now, setting force in place. Uh, but I want to stay flexible uh, because I do want to participate at least in a portion of the rally if Brazil ends up with some sort of a pattern like Argentina had last year, because it could be, it could be extremely volatile to the upside. And so flexibility is key. That doesn't mean we sit on our hands and do nothing. Well, I know if folks have questions, uh, you guys have a lot of great intel and a lot of folks on your team that could answer those questions there at agmarket.net. I'm sure folks check you out online, find the phone number, a lot of great ways to get in touch, isn't there, Matt? Yeah, absolutely. Just go to go to the website and you'll get directed to uh, pretty much find wherever you want all the things you said speaking. I mean, I think uh, Betsy put a speaking thing on our website now and people have really been reaching out there. So if you need someone to come to one of your meetings, you know, we've got all kinds of good options there as well. Great stuff. Matt Bennett, agmarket.net. Thanks for joining us on Agriculture of America today. Appreciate it, my friend. Have a great week and uh, happy Thanksgiving. Same to you, buddy. Matt Bennett there with agmarket.net. All right, coming up next on AOA, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. We'll have a conversation with Tillman White from the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol. That's on the way next here on AOA, Agriculture of America. Everyone has a community to lean on. 
a neighborhood, school, kids' teams, where you worship, work, work out, or any other place or group where you choose to belong. Communities can provide support when you need it, and even when you don't know you do. Like when it comes to preventing underage drinking and other substance use. You've talked with your kids and shared clear expectations, but you're not with them every minute. Your community members, friends and relatives, teachers and coaches, faith leaders, and other important adults in your kids' lives can be your eyes, ears, and a supportive influence when you're not around, reinforcing your messages with your kids and alerting you to warning signs of underage drinking or other substance use. So talk with your kids about these issues and involve the members of your community to help keep your kids safe. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information, visit talktheyhearyou.samhsa.gov. Being blind doesn't always look how others may think. Stargard disease was supposed to define me. Retinitis pigmentosa aimed to overwhelm my family. It tried to cut me down. A blinding eye disease attempted to force me away from doing what I was born to do. But it cannot stop me. I have the tools. I will keep moving forward. Pushing past the limits of this disability. I know where to find support and where I can be seen. Loss of sight won't blind our vision. Innovative research, educational resources, supportive community. The Foundation Fighting Blindness is leading the charge in finding treatments and cures for blinding diseases. Learn more at fightingblindness.org. A public service message from the Foundation Fighting Blindness. Join us the first Wednesday of every month on AOA for the latest episode of The Monthly Grind with our friends at the National Corn Growers Association. We'll discuss the latest topics surrounding the corn industry, the relationships between corn and other parts of the agricultural supply chain, the newest initiatives and partnerships from NCGA's Market Development Action Team, and much more. That's the first Wednesday of every month for The Monthly Grind on AOA. It's a show you don't want to miss. The average American eats 250 eggs per year, which translates to a total annual consumption of 76.5 billion eggs in the U.S. About 60% of eggs produced here in the U.S. are used by consumers and about 9% are used by the food service industry. A chef's hat is said to have a pleat for each of the many ways you can cook eggs. The color can range from white to deep brown. Hens with white feathers and earlobes lay white-shelled eggs, while hens with red feathers and earlobes lay brown-shelled eggs. Because breeds that lay brown eggs are typically slightly larger birds, they require more food, making brown eggs usually more expensive than white. You can tell whether an egg is fresh or stale by dropping it in water. A fresh egg will sink, but a stale one will float. Eggs also contain all the essential protein, minerals, and vitamins, and egg yolks are one of the few foods that naturally contain vitamin D. And eggs are also good for your eyes because they contain lutein, which helps prevent age-related cataracts and muscle degeneration. These farm facts brought to you by the American Ag Network. In today's troubled world, our USA Armed Forces stand ready to protect you, your family, and our American way of life. When veterans return to civilian life, they deserve your recognition and support. You can help put vets to work by donating your car, truck, or van to Patriotic Hearts. Your donation will directly support programs to help vets find jobs or even start their own business. Donate today for fast, free pickup of your vehicle, running or not. 
Operators are standing by to answer questions about making a tax-deductible vehicle donation. Find out how you can make a difference in the life of a United States veteran. Call 800-209-6416 for 24-hour response. Call 800-209-6416. 800-209-6416. That's 800-209-6416. At the YMCA, finding your why starts by making an impact together, touching lives for the better. It can be the gift of time or treasure, supporting a community through talent without measure. Here, compassion fuels commitment, finding fulfillment through enrichment, serving and improving. What a way to live and what a gift it is to give. Find your why and get involved today at YMCA.org for a better us. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed. AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to AOA, Agriculture of America, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel, a diesel that doesn't mess around. Jesse Allen back with you here. And joining us now, we're having a conversation with Tillman White, Operations Manager with the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol. And Tillman, thank you for joining us on AOA today. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Well, we appreciate the time, and we have a few things uh, to cover on the show today as uh, we talk about what's going on in the cotton industry. And I know the total area of enrolled planted cotton acres is growing. Uh, recent news that uh, has come out from the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol. Let's start there. Talk about what we're seeing for growth in enrolled planted cotton acres. Yes, sir. Um, the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol, we're, we're pleased to announce that the total planted acres, as you mentioned, has increased this year by 25% compared to 2022. And um, what this means is that the 2023 crop, the number of enrolled planted acres reached 1.6 million acres, which is the largest enrolled acres we've had since the program was launched back in 2020. And um, not only is this a, a great stride for the protocol in one year, but since we've launched it in 2020, this um, is the fourth consecutive year we've seen an increase in planted acres year over year, which is exciting. And the 1.6 million planted acres in the protocol represented around 16% of the total planted acres in the U.S. this year, which is exciting. Fantastic. Uh, great stuff to hear there. And for folks who I should have started with this for folks who may not be quite aware of what the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol is. Can you maybe give us a, a little explanation and background for folks who may not be aware just to kind of help put into focus what it means to have this increase in acreage? Yes, sir. So the, the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol is a voluntary farm level science based sustainability program. Um, designed to set a new standard for delivering value in the entire supply chain from farms all the way to finished products. And as I mentioned, it was launched back in, in 2020. So this is our fourth, fourth year of the program. It's currently the only system that offers quantifiable, verifiable goals and measurements to drive continuous improvement in different six key sustainability metrics. And currently, top global brands and retailers um, all around the world are looking to source 100% sustainable raw materials. 
And um, until the protocol, U.S. cotton was kind of missing out on that opportunity. So, again, we we put together this program back in 2020 to help secure that U.S. cotton remains a leader leader in global um, production in in cotton and ensuring that um, we're reaching those particular markets. Well, and talking about some of the uh, the different companies who are are looking at being members and sourcing sustainable cotton. I know you know we think about Ralph Lauren, Gap, Levi Strauss and Company, J Crew, just to name a few. But there's been a couple additions uh, to that list as well. Could we talk about that a little bit? Just uh, I know recently uh, news from Macy's and Kiabi becoming members of the program, right? Yes, um, you're right. Uh, just recently, as you mentioned, we had a U.S. brand, which is Macy's Incorporated, along with a, a major French brand that joined the program, Kiabi. So we're excited to hear that. Um, Macy represents around 700 stores, locations nationwide, with um, you know three iconic uh, brands within that company, such as Macy's, Bloomingdale's, and, and Blue Mercury. And then... Um, the other brand, Kiabi, again, which is the French company, um, is the first continental European brand retailer to join the Trust Protocol. And Kiabi has around 579 shops um, across 25 countries and is committed to sustainable sourcing and driving uh, both positive social and environmental change within the fashion retail. So we're excited to have Macy's and Kiabi um, both join the program. Well, I know with the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol and sourcing that sustainable cotton here and U.S. grown cotton, Tillman, I I have to think that a lot of this work goes along with the broader work of sustainability that's been happening in agriculture and just continuing to push the envelope forward, so to speak, in terms of the uh, U.S. cotton industry. Uh, Just a, a lot of great things happening here with the Trust Protocol, is it there? Yep. And um, it, it's really important, um, especially for, you know, more brands to, to come on board because um, yeah. it's important for our, our other members, such as our growers, to see the demand for um, a sustainable product and, you know, um, providing a platform for all these different members in the supply chain is very important. Well, again, an increase in acreage and adding new members to the uh, Cotton Trust Protocol as well. I know folks can go to trustuscotton.org to learn more information. Again, trustuscotton.org for much more information. Tillman, uh, great thoughts here. And before we let you go today, I just want to make sure that we, we don't miss anything. Anything else final that you would care to share or add or, or reiterate to folks as they are uh, looking at all this news and uh, keeping tabs on the cotton industry here in the U.S. Anything else final you'd share or reiterate today? Well, I, I'd want to add one thing. As you mentioned, um, you know, they can learn more information from our website, which is trustuscotton.org. But for our growers out there, if they're interested, um, we had just wrapped up our enrollment for 2023, but we're planning on open. Uh, our 2024 enrollment 
which is starting in January, first week of January of 2024. So they can go in there and roll and, and learn, you know, all about what we're doing in the trust protocol. Also in, in January, I'd encourage uh, the producers who are looking for enrollment for 2024 to also look into the Climate Smart Cotton Program, which is a new initiative under the trust protocol that growers can participate in. And under that program, we have different levels where growers can receive financial and technical support for looking to adopt new practices on their operation. Fantastic. And again, that website, trustuscotton.org. We've been talking today with Tillman White, the operations manager with the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol here on AOA Agriculture of America. Tillman, thank you so much for joining us on the program. We'll look forward to talking to you again in the future. Thanks so much. Thanks, Jesse. All right, we are out of time here today on AOA, brought to you by Senex Backstrom Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil, oil that runs smart, broadcasting live from the 80th Annual National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention this week in Kansas City, Missouri. Coming up on tomorrow's program, Arlen Suderman with Stone X. We'll talk with Emily Score from Growth Energy, Will Stafford from CHS, and more. We're out of time today. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Thanks for listening to AOA. Take control of your legacy with Uncommon Farms. Their ag business professionals can help your farm take on challenges in the five key areas of financials, human resources, strategic planning, management, and succession planning. From their nine subject matter specific peer groups, full service accounting offerings, crop insurance experts, and more, Uncommon Farms is the resource your farm needs to succeed into the future. Visit UncommonFarms.com today to learn more about their service and software offerings that will propel your farm into the future. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. Are you over the age of 60 and been diagnosed with lung cancer? If so, you and your family may qualify for a cash award. We can help make sure that you and your family are financially safe and medical expenses are covered. If you've been diagnosed with lung cancer and are over 60, call 24-7. 1-844-903-1744. Attorney Advertising. William Stephacker Jr. is the attorney responsible for this ad. Main office, Grant, Pennsylvania. May not be available in all states. Kids across America are going to school hungry. Millions of kids every day. Hungry kids get sick more often and can struggle in school. It can be harder for them to focus and learn. But one simple thing can help change all of this for a hungry child in America. Good healthy food and the energy it brings. With help from caring people across America, no Kid Hungry is providing healthy meals and hope to hungry kids so they can build better futures. We want to ensure that all of our kids have healthy meals every day. Thank you. Thank you for helping feed our kids. To learn more about ending child hunger in America, go to helpnokidhungry.org today.